You're listening to the Disciple Community Podcast, sermons, teachings, and timely words from the Disciple Community Gathering at the Source Wichita in Wichita, Kansas. For more audio, video, and other resources for Christian growth and encouragement, visit sourcewichita.com. The Lord really spoke to me. Jason, um, this will be a very you know, important word for you, and that's this. Um, when we were just just singing and asking the Lord to open the flood floodgates, I really the flood open the floodgates of heaven um, was the lyric, but I really felt a response to that, and I felt like the Lord's response was, "I will," um, but you need to be ready. And I think ready in this sense is not a do. I think it's another thing that Jonathan. Um, brought up in worship, which is expectancy. And um, so often it's easy for us to have a really low expectancy um, based on the patterns of the world. Like, you know, we, we would, we kind of expect people to show up, but sometimes that doesn't happen. We kind of, we expect things to go a certain way or be a certain way or do a certain way. And I think it's about our heart and about being expectant, um, him saying, yeah, I'm, you're, you're asking, I'm going to do this, but don't forget me. Don't um, just go about life. Continue with an expectant heart. And that, I think, is a word for us all. Um, I pointed at Jason because he's kind of our fearful leader, but um, that's, that's for the source so or disciple community, whatever, whatever I'm supposed to say. No, I, I meant fearful leader. Um, (laughs) and I want to talk a little bit about, um, worship, just, uh, I wanted to share who I am. First of all, all of you know my name and most of you know me well. Um, but I did want to share just a little bit of the basics in case anyone out there and where are we, are we on Facebook or YouTube? Facebook. Okay. Facebook world people. Hi. Hi. Um, so I just wanted to share a little bit about who I am in case anyone doesn't know me. But uh, first of all, the worship leader guy is my husband, Jonathan. Um, worship today was just right on Holy Spirit-led as far as I'm concerned. Um, thank you for what you do to prepare for that. Um, I wanted to give you some insight, too, in that, you know, when the words aren't on the screen, that is not Jason messing around. That is Jonathan um, doing something that wasn't planned. Um, and he does that all the time and he jumps back and forth all the time. But, um, part of that's him because he's driven and he's, um, very gifted musically and he can do that. Um, not saying he's perfect. There are several chords in there that were kind of messed up today. Um, and he'll tell you that he probably could go back up there and show you exactly which ones. Um, but he, he has that ability, but he also more than anything, um, gets behind a piano, a keyboard, whatever. And the Holy spirit moves in him just in incredible ways. And so, um, that's my guy. Uh, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. Yep. Pretty exciting for us. Um, also wanted to share that, you know, when the, uh, 
what's that thing called? Yeah, the stand fell over. Thank you very much for helping him with that. But that's very normal for Jonathan. He breaks things all the time. Um, the One of the first churches we were in as a married couple, he broke the piano. And I'm not joking. He played so hard it broke. Um, and like stuff you don't know last week i wasn't able to be here last week but he led and um he comes home and he has a bloody thumb and that i mean that's not it hasn't happened for a while but it's not unusual like he'll play so hard that his thumb starts bleeding and i go so when he goes yeah it just happened in the middle all of a sudden the keys were kind of slick and there was blood and i was like did you clean it up? No, I said, you know, as I played, it kind of cleaned itself up. So if anyone else plays the keyboard, there's still a little blood left. Or if we need his DNA, maybe, for anything. Um, anyway, if you play it here at uh, Disciple Community, what do you want me to call this? I screw up this all the time. Disciple Community, OK, the place we're in right now. Um, if you're here or you use this building or you play that, yeah, I would use some Clorox wipes on it first. Um, anyway, and the last thing before I get into what I'm doing that I want to talk about is the second song he played was one of my all-time favorites. My very, what was, which I, title, They That Wait, one of my favorite songs, worship songs ever in the universe. And it's by my absolute favorite worship leader ever. And since most of you are younger than me, um, his name's Kevin Prosh. He's very strange. He does some um, very strange worship, lots of free worship. But check out his album, Reckless Mercy. If you have Spotify, it's on there. Um, yeah, I don't care that it's old. It's probably older than some of you. When were you born, Chrissy? Okay, so I think it was made in 98. So you were born, but um, I mean, it was before Lydia's time. Lydia's sitting back there. Um, but it still just stands. Um, there's so much the Holy Spirit does in that. So anyway, I couldn't help myself. I had to give a plug there for Kevin Prosh. Um, I didn't make a, I didn't make a sheet. I'm very, or, I'm very organized. I like, um, you know, normally I would have some visual aids and I have lots of stuff on the screen, but I procrastinated and the Lord kept changing what I was doing and I finished at like five o'clock this morning. So I'm sorry, I don't have what I normally would have. But um, if you want to take notes, use the envelopes in front of you. Don't use the connect cards, they're expensive. Um, or there's old sheets in the back. I just go take one of those and write on the sides. So anyway. Um, okay, so uh, I'm Connie Workman. I don't think I ever said my name. Told you my husband's Jonathan. Wave to the crowd. Thank you. I have um, three children. Uh, Lydia, who's in the back. Um, she is 14. She's from China originally. Um, she is a Rubik's Cube master. Um, she can solve a three by three Rubik's cube in 16 seconds is your average right now? Yeah. Consistently. Um, record is 10 seconds. Um, she's also loves karate and she has an incredible servant's heart. And so, yeah. 
Uh, my second daughter, the next one, is Samantha. She is working with Julia today in Children's Ministries. Um, she is a mess of fun. Um, she ne her mind never start stops working on how she can trick someone or make someone laugh or whatever. She just created an amazing year end of her life video. Um, did she post that? And sh did you see it? Yeah, just, I mean, she's very talented as well. Um, loves soccer, um, loves her dog. I mean, she's a great kid. Last but not least is our Stella. She's eight. You probably see her running around. Um, her hair looks terrible today, but I didn't have time to do it, so not my fault. Um, anyway, she's an amazing, uh, her middle name is Joy, and that is what she is. She is just joy, and she loves all things girly and ballet, and she's a fabulous kid. And no, my kids aren't perfect, but this is on Facebook Live, and they'd kill me if I told you the bad things. So anyway, <laughs> um, that's enough about us. Our, my topic today is simply kids. And I'm not talking about baby goats, um, talking about children, but I'm going to use the word kids. And the reason I like that word is because um, the Bible talks a lot about children, but it's not always referring to kids. Sometimes it's referring to us because we're God's children. So I, I won't use that word when referring to kids today unless I slip or it's in scripture. Um, I also don't like the word students, and uh, a lot of Protestant church um, in recent years has switched from kids' ministry or ch children's ministry to student ministry with the concept that it's more inclusive for older children, but um, I just don't, I don't like that term because um, a student is not what you are, it's what you do, and so... Um, it's just not, I don't care. I don't like it. I mean, a kid by definition is someone until they're 18. So, um, I'm going to use the word kids and it's interchangeable with teenagers and all that. So, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of my qualifications to talk about children. I have them, um, <laughs> that, you know, makes all of us experts, right? Um, or working with them. Um, before I was a mom, I spent 10 years doing youth ministry, um, which was the passion of my life before I had kids. Um, I've taught Sunday school. I've led middle and high school youth groups. Uh, I was the director of children's ministries for church. Um, I've written curriculum, et cetera, et cetera, about anything you can do with kids I've done. Uh, but my biggest qualification is I just love kids, period. I just love them. Um, and so that's why I'm talking about that today. Um, as I was searching through, there's not a ton of scripture in the, about kids, um, but what is there falls in um, two main categories that I'm going to, well, three actually, but I'm only going to talk about two today. And the categories I put them in is um, what does God say about kids? What do we do with kids? And the one I'm not going to talk about is instruction for kids. 
Um, I'm not going to talk about what kids are supposed to do today. I'm going to talk about what we're supposed to do with kids today. And um, so that gives you a beginning of where I'm going here. So let's look at what does God say about kids. And Liddy, we're going to start with the first verse. Um, Psalm 127.3 through 5a. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So the main point of this is children are a gift. And this is from the Lord's mouth. Okay? Um, And so let me just be honest. I'm going to do a little off-topic aside here. I used to hate this verse because I dealt with infertility. And so my one of my dearest, dearest friends who's birthed nine children, um, like she writes this on everything. She signs everything with this. Um, but for me, it was always like, okay, so, um, you know, what am I doing wrong? Because I'm not being rewarded with children because, you know, we didn't have biological children. And so, you know, am I not blessed because I don't have a full quiver or any of that? And then I came to the point where I realized that it doesn't say whose womb and it doesn't say how big the quiver is. (laughs) So um, everybody's quiver is different. You're not less blessed if you have two kids than if you have 10. It's just um, we're all different. All of our families are different, and they all look different. And you're not less blessed um, if you can't have biological children. Now, there's a whole other world in that. I don't want to get into that. Um, but I am extremely sensitive to people who deal with infertility because I've dealt with infertility. Um, and so I just wanted to say that to say that, um, I know that there's pain there. It's not just a trite situation. And you, sometimes you just have to get there to where you're like, okay, it doesn't have to be my womb. Um, I can still be blessed by children. So... Um, so anyway, let's talk about what this verse doesn't say. Um, it doesn't say that when kids are going, mom, 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 I can keep going because I've got this one down. It doesn't say they're not a blessing when they do that. It doesn't say they're not a blessing when you hear, Dad, watch this. Dad, Dad, watch this. Dad, Dad, watch me do this. But watch me do this. But Dad, look at this. Look, look, look at this, Dad. Dad, look at this. Yep, still a blessing. And the one that kind of hits all of us here is children are not, not a gift. Okay, double negative there. When they talk or they babble or they cry in church and they get up five times and they need a drink and they need to go potty and they need another drink and they need to check on their friend and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, and you guys have seen it. Some of you have kids who've done it, Christine and I. Yep. Um, And it can be annoying, but there's still a gift. 
Um, they're still a huge blessing, and God sees them that way. He doesn't see them as an annoyance. He doesn't see them as a bother. He sees them as a gift. Moving on. Let's look at the next verse I have around this. I think this is, um, I have kind of two of the main verses I think people think of when you think about children, and I think this one is the number one verse or set of verses or stories about children in the New Testament. I think, boom, this is what people think. So Mark 10, 13 to 16. Some people brought children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples scolded the people. When Jesus noticed this, he was angry and said to his disciples, let the children come to me and do not stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on each of them, and blessed them. So let's look at what Jesus is saying or showing to us about kids. Um, what he's saying, first of all, is that kids are an example of what it takes to receive the kingdom of God. And um, let's talk about what that means. Um, receiving the kingdom of God is harder for adults because they don't have these qual these uh, characteristics. Kids have no problem with faith. They just don't. You just tell them something about, you know, Jesus, this is who he is. This is what he says. Okay, this sounds great. There's this guy. Um, he loves me. He wants to take away all my sin. Um, yeah, who doesn't want that? Very black and white for kids. Um, and also because, you know, they haven't lived the lives that we've lived and made those choices of sin where we have to weigh that. You know, as adults, you who come to Jesus, you kind of have to wait. I mean, we, we weigh that in our hearts. You know, do I want to give this stuff up? But kids are, are just ripe and amazing for that because um, they haven't got all that baggage. So their faith is so strong from the beginning, and it's so real. And so um, they don't have a problem having faith, and that is what Jesus is talking about here. Come as a child to me. Um, you know, have the faith to come to me, just like kids do. Another thing they don't have is um, <laughs> they don't have any pride. Uh, it doesn't bother them to ask for things. They're, they know they're powerless. They know that they are helpless. Um, they know they don't have any inhibitions. And, of course, you know, this changes as kids get older. But, you know, um, Recently, I've been around Andrea's little guy, Andrea and um, Dan's little guy, Graham, and um, he likes my phone, and I like kids, and my phone has a case that doesn't break when you throw it on the ground, so he looks at me, and he goes, and what do I do? Of course, I give him the phone. What, what else am I going to do, you know? Um, but there's no inhibition there. There's no, you know, I shouldn't ask for this. I shouldn't want this. I shouldn't whatever, you know? And as they get older, it, it continues, but it's in a different way. You know, it's like, Jasmine, I like your necklace. Your necklace is really pretty. 
I wish I had a necklace like that. You know, they get a little trickier about it, but it's pretty obvious, you know. My daughter does this a lot, uh, Stella, with our neighbor. And she probably does it with Christine. We just don't, haven't talked about it, but it's like, gosh, I'm hungry. God, I, I wish... I wish I, I wish there were donuts. I wish I could, I wish we had donuts here where the donuts are sitting like right next to her, you know? I wish I could, I'm just hungry for donuts right now. You know, and, and yeah, that's not, you know, at three it would be, can I have that donut? You know, so our inhibitions change the older we get, the harder it is you know, to ask for things, but that's what he's talking about. Ask me like a child. Don't have any pride. Come to me. Come to the kingdom of God this way, um, like a kid would do it. That's what I want to see. That's the faith I want to see. Um, I found this really cool quote from R.C. Sproul, who's, um, I don't know, I mean, he's like a, what? Do, I don't know. Okay, theologian, thank you. A big, a big dude in the faith. Um, anyway, it's about this verse, and it says, Jesus talks about our receiving the kingdom of God, not our achieving the kingdom, our making the kingdom happen on earth, or our exercising any kind of strenuous effort to enter the kingdom of God. Here, the Greek word translated as child refers to the youngest and most helpless of children. Christ is calling us to utter dependence on him as the way into his kingdom. So there's a lot more said about, you know, coming into the kingdom of God, but I really just wanted to focus on um, what he's talking about concerning kids and who they are and why they're important um, in this sense of Scripture and what God has to say about them. So um, what is this showing us? Simply... Jesus really likes kids. He just really likes them. I can tell you why I know he really likes them. Um, of course, you've got the disciples. And uh, this translation you, I liked because it was simple, but some of the words aren't quite the way I would say them. So when it says scolded, it wasn't just scolded. It was rebuked. It was back off. Don't you know who this is? Don't bring children here. This is Jesus. Okay. And it also uses, I laughed at this word, noticed. When Jesus noticed this, like, you know, he just kind of, oh, look over there. I'm sorry. He kind of knows everything that's going on. So he sees what's happening, and he's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. You know, I want the children to come here. That's fine. But he doesn't just have them come. I mean, their parents are wanting to come. You know, it's like they they know what's going on. They believe it's like, just touch my kid, you know, just touch my kid. And so it says that he didn't just, you know, oh, lay their hand on them. I wish there was a kid in here. I could, you know. It didn't like, you know, little Johnny, let me just lay my hand on your head. That's not what it says. It says... He took them in his arms, placed his hand on each of them, and blessed them. You know, he, he doesn't just, I mean, he, he does like them, but he just adores kids. You don't take a child that isn't yours or that you're not familiar with into your arms if you don't love them, 
if you don't have that heart for them. And that's who Jesus is. Now, I'm not saying go to the grocery store and take a stranger's child into your arms because that's called jail in the United States. But it's that passion for kids. That's that love and, and patience and kindness for kids that we need to emulate from Jesus. So drink time, sorry. Okay. So the next topic after that is, okay, now we um, understand what God has to say about kids. What do we do with them? Um, for some people, they're an extremely challenging population, um, and, and they're very hard. And so let's talk about what we should do with them. Um, anyone here want to guess the next verse, which is, I think, the most famous verse about children in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. You don't get to choose. Very funny. It's in the Old Testament. When you're thinking of children, you don't have to say the reference, but that one. It's that one. Christine just said it. Um, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that is the King James Version because any good um, Christian family should know that exact phrase and how to say it. And especially those, um, you know, who are committed to homeschooling, like I am and some of you are, um, you know, that's a huge verse in, in that realm with families and um, you know you grab onto that promise if I train them the way I'm supposed to then you know they'll they won't depart from when I've trained them and this is a promise the Lord's given me and um, so we need to sit them down and teach them the word and blah 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 so let me just blow that concept out of your head because I found out while I was researching that's not really what it meant and um, I kind of wondered about that because usually when we think we have something down in scripture um, we don't there's more to the story um, so in this verse I'm going to go uh, Greek on you there's a word uh, for the words train up and I'm not going to say it because it sounds like I'm throwing up when I say it. Like the Greek way to say it, I like looked it up and it was like, <laughs> and so not going to happen. But anyway, it's C-H-A with the little thing over it, N-A-K. I can tell you a little more later. Um, the word for train up in this instance, and what I'm reading is from... Uh, Jonathan has a Hebrew-Greek Bible, which is awesome, where it l gives you little numbers, and you can go and read what that word really says in Hebrew or Greek. You know, this would be um, Hebrew. I said Greek, but I meant Hebrew. Um, anyway, this was from that, which I thought was fabulous. The word for train up in this instance is, that word I'm not going to say, a verb that only occurs five times in Scripture. It was very similar to our groundbreaking ceremony. And in the other four instances, um, now, 
I'm going to go back and look at this because I wrote this at five in the morning, but none of the other four instances I know talked about children. I think they all talked about buildings um, and dedicating buildings. And I know one of the verses was Solomon giving thousands and thousands of animals for a sacrifice uh, for the building that God was giving them or they built or whatever. Um, so this is the only instance that this word, train up, is used in Scripture to talk about kids. And um, it says in, but in Proverbs 22.6, the word indicates very early training for children. It was a community action. Yeah, that puts a... Yeah, exactly. That puts a different spin on things um, when you're talking about training up your children. Who's your? Whose responsibility is your? We've always put this verse. I mean, most, most, any article you look at online, you know, your responsibility, the parents come first, they have, you know, they have to chain their children at home, and what we do at church is second. I don't know. It says it was a community action. Um, we have a responsibility, guys, to our children, um, and our being the children in the, that come here as part of disciple community week after week. Um, and depart here means to turn aside. Um, and so... The last thing I want is for any of the children who come here to grow up and turn aside from the Lord because we weren't committed enough to them or we weren't sacrificial enough with our children or we were too selfish with our time or whatever it is. Um, I don't want the Lord to say, you, as part of Disciple Community, screwed this up. Just saying. Um, so why I find this important for the church, I already started that because I'm passionate. Um, I still believe parents come first. I'm not letting you off the hook as parents. I mean, I still think as Christians, um, I mean, we have the most influence in our kids. Absolutely number one influence in our children's lives. Um, and so, yes, what we do um, even more than what we teach, trains our children. How we respond to them, how we respond in situations, um, that's how they learn. They learn from us. And so, yes, I am not saying that we go, here, take my children, teach them. Um, although there's a lot of, you know, people who have that mentality still, I think. You know, we need to go to a church with a big children's program who can teach my kids about Jesus because I don't, I don't know what to do. And I think a lot of times it is, I don't know what to do, not I don't want to do it. Um, so yeah, sometimes maybe it's I don't want to do it. But I think a lot of times it's I don't know what to do. You know, here, let's teach them the books of the Bible in John 3.16. Now, is that bad? Of course it's not bad. But there's so much more to teaching children who Jesus is. Than that, and they will learn that by who we are more than anything we ever teach them, any scripture we ever make them memorize. Um, 
they'll see us respond to situations. You know, they'll see us say, you know, I mean, my kids have seen this in me. I don't normally do this, but the Holy Spirit wants me to do such and such. They'll remember that. And the Holy Spirit will use that in their lives as well. So um, I just wanted to make sure that I, I want you to know, yes, I still think parents are number one. They still have the most say, the most influence. Um, but let's talk about the situation that we have, and that is this. We have a crisis in parenting today in the United States. And unless I say globally, I'm talking about the United States. Um, we have a huge crisis in parenting. Um, and Jason will be so proud because I looked up statistics. Um, inside joke. And I'm big on not just looking up a statistic online and going, oh, that's what it is. Because people use statistics for whatever they want, however they want it. I found that more and more. I'm just going to hold this because that's driving me nuts. Okay. Um, let's look at a few statistics. The decline of kids. I got TL over my notes. The decline of kids having two parents in their homes continues. Between 1960 and 2016, the percentage of kids living in two-parent families decreased from 88% to 69%. So it's still the majority, the majority of our children in the U.S. live in two-parent families. But 69%, I mean, that's a huge drop from 88 to 69. Um, and that scares me. What they didn't break down in this, however, is how many of those include step-parents? Um, how many of those include people who aren't, you know, a parent at all? There's not, there's lots and lots. I mean, they did give stats on this, but I don't want to go into all that about um, parents who cohabitate. Um, and is the other parent in the house actually the biological parent? Or, you know, you can't really even call them step-parent because it's like my mom's boyfriend or, you know, so I'm not sure how that's included in here. But I would tell you that how the church looks at family as mom and a dad um, is, is hugely declining, and I would say it's way less than 69%, just my opinion, since we don't have that based here. Um, now, I'm not saying at all that I'm discounting step-parents. Things happen. Um, even to Christians, things happen, and step parents are super important. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Okay. She's hopping back there. I was like, do you need to go potty? <laughs> um, I say potty for everybody. I would tell, you know, Jason, do you need to go potty? Because I'm a parent. Um, so anyway, um, bottom line is there aren't a lot of two-parent families anymore. It's decreasing, decreasing, decreasing. And I, I bet Chrissy could tell me a lot about that. I bet the kids in your class, there are very few that have two biological or, you know, parents living with them. Um, during the same time period, 1960 to 2016, um, and this was, these statistics came from the census, the U.S. Census Bureau. So I felt like that was probably okay. Um, during that same time period, the number of kids living with only their mother nearly tripled from 8% to 23%. So we have a crisis, 
also of single moms trying to do it all. And I have an incredible heart and incredible respect for single moms and all they do. Um, they can't see, <laughs> they don't sleep, most of them. Um, they can't see their worlds coming or going. And yet we're telling them, educate your children in the Lord. Well, I barely see my children. How can I educate them in the Lord? So I think that the church needs to really look at the single mom thing. And yes, I'm not leaving out single dads. It's just the majority, high, high majority are single moms. And I would say absolutely in the state of Kansas, that's true as well. Um, so the parenting thing is an issue. And we'll I'll talk about some solutions I see for that in a minute. Um, but here's another point under why I find this to be important for the church, um, the training up concept, is do you want to see people make decisions for Christ? Raise your hands. Anybody ever heard of the 414 window? I bet Jason has. Christine has. The 414 window, you've probably heard of the 1040 window, right? That's based on latitudes, longitudes, whatever, of people who have not received Christ are in this window. Well, the 414 window is not that. Um, the 414 window refers to um, children between the ages of 4 and 14. And now those are the ages when people are most likely to come to know Jesus. Um, I saw various statistics on this, but I would say uh, 71 to 85 percent of all people who come to Jesus are between the ages of 4 and 14. Um, and so that's huge to me. Um, that in a, alone should get the church moving when it comes to kids. Um, if you have a heart for evangelism at all, you should be thinking about kids. Um, whether you like kids or you feel like you relate to kids or not, if you have a heart for people to know Jesus, it needs to be before they turn 15 years of age. Now, there is a statistic, it's another 10%, I think, that's up to age 18 or 19. But after that, it's slim pickings. I mean, that doesn't mean we give up on people. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that if we can get kids to know Jesus from an early age, they are more likely to say yes to Jesus. From all the things I told you before about kids being open, having faith, um, no inhibitions, all of that. That's why they're more willing to accept Jesus. And those, um, in case you're wondering, um, those conversions, those, you know, Bible school conversions, they're very real. I was five. I was invited by a friend of my sister to go to Bible school at a church I'd never been at. I can see it right here. Um, for, for Vacation Bible School, that's what I went to. I can see right here uh, where I was, and I wanted Jesus, and that's all I knew. And I asked Jesus into my heart, and the Holy Spirit came in, and the rest is history. Have I struggled with my faith since? Absolutely. Um, and if there's no discipleship in there, yeah, that's a problem. But the Spirit is in those children, and it's a lot easier to 
believe. It's a lot easier to come back even if you fall away from the Lord, if you've got him from the very beginning. Um, because the Holy Spirit never leaves, and he continues to nudge, and he continues to say, but God, but God can do this, but God is in you, but God, but God, but God. And I believe that completely. Um, and my kids all accepted Jesus at very young ages. Lydia was three. Excuse me. Um, we had gone to see an Easter pageant. Um, we just had Liddy, and it was a, a church. We lived in Topeka. They did a fabulous job, very realistic, crucifixion, all of that. And um, very funny. It wasn't quite that realistic. They didn't kill Jesus. It was an, it was an act. <laughs> anyway, you weren't really scared. No, you really weren't. You were sitting on our lap, and your eyes were as big as saucers, but um, you weren't really scared. And we're driving home, and it's late. It's like 9.30, and it's like, oh, we haven't eaten. Let's stop. And We stop at a Taco Bueno, and Jonathan runs inside to grab some stuff, and Lydia starts asking questions. And she said, well, what, what, what was that about? You know, tell me, tell me more about that Jesus guy. And, um, and, of course, since she was tiny, we've talked about Jesus. We prayed with her. We did all those things. Um, not perfect, but we did what we did. And there in the parking lot in her car seat, she said, I got to know Jesus. I got to have this Jesus in my heart. So we prayed, and that's how she met Jesus. Um, and so are all three-year-olds ready for, to do that? No. Sometimes they're seven, sometimes they're 10, but the bottom line is the four to 14 is huge. And we as a church have to take that seriously. Um, so yeah, kids are the largest unreached people group, and yet they are the most receptive people group. Um, and I can also testify to that because, um, I wrote, when I worked as director of children's ministries at a church, I wrote the curriculum and knowing this, I, uh, in every single thing I did, I said this on, you know, I, I wrote out this stuff. I gave them sheets every week. That's all the volunteers had to do was do what it says on the sheet. But at the very end, every single time they were to ask, does anybody here want to know Jesus? Very simple. With 30 kids saved in a six-month period, simply from doing that. But the church doesn't do that. We want to draw the kids in, and we want to make them happy, and we want to have um, bells and whistles. And um, bells and whistles are fine, but if there's no Jesus, there's no bells or whistles. Who cares? I mean, you know, there's nothing eternal about that. Um, and so it's important to think about that when we're serving our children that um, we just need to talk about Jesus. We just need to say to them directly, hey, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? Would you like to know Jesus? 
Um, and a lot of them are going to say yes, because again, going back, they're kids. Um, and kids have been marginalized, treated as insignificant in the church response to the great commission of making disciples. I mean, when you think about that commission, go and make all disciples, do you immediately think kids? Nope. I don't. I haven't. Um, I love kids, and so and I've done children's ministry, so sure, they're on my heart. But when I hear that verse, do I specifically think kids? No, I don't. I think go make disciples. I think adults who are, you know, ready to move forward and do something for the Lord. Let me tell you, one kid talking to an adult about Jesus can do way more than any adult talking to an adult about Jesus because um, because of their faith, because they have such incredible faith. And so children's ministries have done a disservice, um, I think, by taking our kids completely out of services. Um, do I think they need to sit through and listen to me or Jason every morning? I don't. Um, I think that the last thing I want is my kid to turn 18 and go, well, church was boring. I don't want to go to church anymore. I like Jesus, but I don't want to go to church. And so I'm not saying that kids need to be in service every week. I'm not that person. I don't believe that. I think that there is um, credence to letting kids learn about God at their own level. Um, and so, yes, I believe that you should have Sunday schools or children's ministries or whatever you want to say. But we've kind of, because we have done big children's ministry programs, um, we've taken children away from the church. You know, we, we used to do, um, and I, I like, I'm, when it comes to kids, I'm all for change. I really am. I'm not a, Jonathan will tell you, I'm not a change person, but kids, let's do the best thing we can for them. If there's something new, that's great. That will help them in their walk. Let's do it. But let me just say that when we stop doing things like having kids you know, sing songs um, on the stage or doing a Christmas play or whatever it happens to be like that. When we stopped that, we took the kids out of our, our services. So, you know, they're not seen. They're not heard until the very end. And so they, they have no ability to give to any part of what's going on. They have no ability to be trained by us in worship or in um, praying for people or any of that. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of that should be done in children's ministry, that training and teaching. But there's also modeling that goes on. And there's also the ability for us as a church to say, hey, you're fantastic you're amazing, and we support you, and we love you. And it's not just because we give you goldfish. We love you more than that. So I don't know the 100% answer for that. I have an idea, but um, I know that we need the kids more involved with our adult services. Um, and in that same concept of 
um, making disciples. You know, when we think about missions and going, do we think about kids coming to know Jesus in other countries? Same concept. I mean, they're going to accept Jesus quicker, faster, um, under with greater understanding in a way than anyone else, and with more sincerity usually. Um, and so I think that that is something, instead of going to orphanages and holding kids and loving them for a day, which is not necessarily wrong, please don't throw things at me, I think that we need opportunities, even in missions outside of our country, to um, direct our evangelism at children. Just my opinion there. Um, the other problem that I think we're dealing with in the church is the church lacks an understanding for the heart of God. Um, Things are going to change soon in our children's ministries. And Jason said, you need to do the vision casting. So this is vision casting. It just is ending up being the whole day. <laughs> um, but but we do. I mean, we read those verses, but but are we really... I mean, you got to understand how much Jesus loves his children and kids. Not just his children and being all of us, but kids. He really does love kids. He has an incredible heart for kids. And the church has to get there. We have to get there where we understand how much how he feels about that. Um, and here's the other problem in the um, why the church needs to look at helping with training kids, and that's simply that um, even Christian kids, really strong Christian kids today, are walking away from God. And when I say walking away, I'm saying turning aside. There are kids that I taught in youth group that had the best parents who trained them the best they could. Um, I trained them in Jonathan and I trained them in youth group. They have walked away, not just from the church. They've walked away. So the enemy is moving stronger and faster in our country. So why would we not think about how he's doing that with kids? Because he is. And we have to consider that it takes more than mom and dad. Mom and dad need people to go alongside them. Am I running out of time? Okay. So do I have your attention about kids? We have to make them a priority, period. We have to make kids a priority. We need people who will make a commitment to our kids as a community, this community, disciple community. We have to make a commitment to kids. Well, what does that look like? Let me give you some ideas. Um, teaching, of course. Uh, we have two people that are teaching all the kids right now. We have another one or two that, like, the spouses help, or um, I know Jason has, Jason um, Febris had started helping, but he has a brand new baby, so he, he gets a pass for a while. Um, but other than that, we have two people. Now, do we have a ton of kids? Nope. We're small. We don't have a ton of kids. Um, but the two people who are doing children's ministries are doing, like, babies to 12. That's a huge disservice to our children. I don't care if we have one or we have 50. 
That's just not okay because you cannot take care of babies and teach children. You just can't. I mean, Julia's probably doing it the best she can. Um, I'm not saying what she's doing is in vain at all, but we can just do better. We need to do better and we have to do better. Um, mentoring. We need to mentor kids in and out of church. Guys, hear me now. Um, 23% of children live in single parent homes with the mom. Now, does that mean all dads aren't involved? Absolutely not. There are fabulous dads involved in their kids' lives. But there's also a lot, a lot of kids who don't have a dad. So if we're going to train children, um, we need dads to come alongside, especially boys, um, especially, especially boys. I have a friend who has, she's a single mom, um, and her little guy, um, the dad doesn't want to be involved, so he doesn't have a dad um, in his life. He has a great um, grandpa, a couple of great uncles, but they don't live close by. And he's at that place where, you know, he knows other kids have dads. He really wants a dad. When is God going to give us a dad? Um, and that's, that's hard. That's really hard. And she's trying to do her very best for him on her own um, when it comes to the things of the Lord. And so um, she ha has looked for mentor for this little guy, a, a male mentor to come alongside even once a week, once every couple weeks, but to be consistently in his life. She's asked three men, um, godly men in her world, um, and one said yes, but his, his schedule is such that he can't be there. Um, and so this little guy... <laughs> just really needs somebody. And we need men to step up and be that. And I know we're busy. I mean, we're busy. <laughs> we're too busy. As a society, we're busy, busy, busy. But we have to care about people. And kids are people, not just adults. coming. Adults will come and say, I need help with this. I need help with that. Kids are less demanding, you know? Um, Mentoring a, a little guy would be, you know, playing Fortnite or catching ball, you know, playing catch, doing the things that dad does. And so, guys, please hear me. Um, this is important. We need to step up through mentoring. Parenting, we need to help teach parents how to teach their kids. Um, and Jason and I have talked about this because... It's not, like I said, parents don't always understand how to teach their children about the Lord. Um, because especially, you know, in your walk, if you're just starting out too, um, and you're learning things from the beginning, sometimes that's a struggle. And so those of us who have been around a while um, need to be willing to walk beside people in parenting um, especially when it comes to teaching them about Jesus. And I have some ideas on how to move that forward, but if anyone else hears something from the Lord, let me know. Um, I talked about evangelism and missions. Um, 
how we need to focus more on kids in those areas. And uh, mainly, you know, making kids a priority is loving on them. You know, just loving on them. Um, kids love mail. You know, send them a postcard. Say, hey, I saw you at church, or I missed you at church, or you're a great kid. Um, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time to do something like that. Or, you know, hey, I love you. You know, Julia's awesome at this. We walk in the door. She looks at Stella. Hey, I love your shirt. You know, I mean, um, it doesn't take a lot to love on a kid. Um, my part in this, just so you know, um, working with kids is super easy for me. I'm called to children. I'm called to youth. That's all I know. Um, I can look at a program and go, we need to do this and this and this and this and this. Um, but I've been sick and I, I'm dealing with some illnesses. And so I have to balance that with the other parts of life. Um, but I am planning after the first of the year to be involved in children's ministries, hopefully with organization, um, hopefully with teaching, hopefully with maybe writing curriculum. Um, we'll just see what God says. I'm still mulling that around in my head because I want to do it all because um, that's my passion, but I can't do it all anymore. So um, this is my plug for volunteers. Um, we just need people to help with our kids, and it's really important. It seems like it's not, <laughs> but it's really important for our kids to have adults training them and teaching them. And And I'm not asking for your soul. I'm not asking for you to be there every single week, in and out, give, you know, giving money, whatever. I'm asking for, you know, um, you to pray about it. I mean, really, really pray about it. Even if you're someone who goes, I don't really like kids. I've never worked with kids. Kids scare me. You know, sometimes you're the best candidate because um, God can work through our insecurities. So if you have that nudge in your heart, don't just go, nope, not me. I'm sure that was gas. <laughs> um, because there might be something you need to do. And we have to be sacrificial about this. I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm a homeschool mom. <laughs> so I'm home with my kids 24-7. And as much as I love them, do I need a break from kids? Absolutely. But I need to sacrifice for, not just for them, but for all of our kids here at Disciple Fellowship. Um, let me get a drink before we start the last part. If you, those of you who know me know this has to be coming, the orphan issue. Um, Lydia, you can put up the first picture. Um, there's a lot of verses about the fatherless in the Bible. There's a lot of verses about um, or orphans, not so much orphans. God usually says fatherless and how he will care for them. There's a verse about true religion, um, taking care of orphans. I love that verse. But this is the one I wanted to focus on today. 
Romans 8, 15 to 17. And I don't know, can you see it very well to read it? It's a cute, pretty thing. <laughs> um, really, the point is that I just want everyone to know that God himself created the concept of adoption. Because unless you're Jewish and sitting in this room, you are all adopted into God's kingdom through Christ. But that's adoption. Um, and because of that adoption, it says right here that we are heirs with Christ. That's huge. Um, so to me, adoption's a no-brainer because the Lord um, supports adoption. He made a plan for adoption. Um, do I think that adoption of children is God's plan for them initially? No. Um, he gives kids a mom and a dad for a reason and a specific biological mom and dad for a reason. But sometimes that's not going to work for lots of lots of reasons. And so that's where we end up with orphans. And the church has to move on orphans, period. Um, if all the other things I talked about um, today don't make you understand that we have an obligation, um, and obligation is probably the wrong word because that's a bad connotation with obligation, but um, responsibility to children who have no parents because we're supposed to train children. We're supposed to care for children. So here's some more statistics for you. In 2016, over 687,000 kids spent time in U.S. foster care. That's a lot of kids. Um, a lot of them went home, of course, not adoptable. Um, they went home. That's a great thing. A lot of them are still in the system today. Those ki same kids from 2016, still no mom, still no dad. And um, it's time that we consider more. Um, the foster care system is horrible. It needs a complete overhaul. No one will hire me to do it. So we have to go with what we've got. Um, but just because the foster care system sucks does not mean that those kids deserve what they're getting. I don't want to deal with foster care system too bad. They don't either. Um, just something to think about. <laughs> and um, worldwide, there are 26 million orphans. Now, I myself have even posted that there's way more than that, like 159 million. But what I came to realize last night is that during the AIDS crisis of the 80s and 90s, um, the orphan world changed the definition of orphan to anyone with um, just one parent. So if you didn't have a second parent in your life, you're still considered an orphan. And they did that because of, I mean, just so much poverty and need. And um, for some still, what, having only one parent isn't enough. 
um, especially if that parent's a mom in other countries. Um, I mean, they're desperate. There are lots of moms who take their kids to orphanages just so they can eat. And so um, there is a reality in that number. But for our definition in the United States, we would never say a child's an orphan if they still have one living parent. So I'm going to go with, they call them double orphans. I call them real orphans, which is the wrong word, but um, the technical term is double orphans. So 26 million children have neither a mom or a dad in this world. And that's just wrong. Um, the church, that should never happen. There should never be that many children um, without a mom or a dad, someone to love them and care for them, and that just shouldn't happen, people. Um, I'm going to give you some reasons people don't adopt. Um, there's a million reasons, but these are some of the most common. And I am, I do consider myself an expert on adoption since I've adopted four, gone through the process, or I've adopted three, gone through the process four times. So I do have some um, expertise on international adoption. Of course, I don't know everything. Um, but these are some reasons that people don't adopt. Um, they want biological ki kids. Um, a lot of women want to carry a child. They want a child that looks like them and their husband. They want to see what that kid is going to be like. Is that kid going to, um, you know, be silly and ridiculous like the dad or serious like the mom or not like us at all? And where did this come from? Um, and I get that. Um, we tried for many years to have a biological child. So I understand that. Um, but here's my thing. Can we not have biological kids and adopt? I mean, you know, for every one bio, you adopt one. I think that's fair. <laughs> I'm not trying to run your families. Well, I really, I am trying to run your families, but I realize I can't. So, um, not everyone can adopt. I understand that, but I think that, a lot of people can consider it more than they ever have. Um, I have friends in their um, late 50s who adopted a sibling group of four. Um, yeah, so, sorry, if they can start it all over again, um, we can consider that. Now, of course, um, there's lots more issues with adoption than having your own biological child from day one. Um, orphans come with problems. There's no doubt about it. I will not sugarcoat that. Um, I have to laugh, though, about our culture because of um, the dog concept. Um, I call it the dog concept, which is um, I get shamed all the time. Well, I feel shamed, like on Facebook or with organizations, because there's this adopt, don't shop phrase. Like if you buy a dog from a breeder, you should be going to hell. I mean, that's really the feeling that people give me. It's like, you know, there's millions of dogs in shelters, and why aren't we, you know, adopting these dogs? Well, hello. I brought that up once about kids. Okay, there's millions of kids. So why are we having more biological kids when 
There's lots of other kids that need families. Well, but that's not my problem, and that's not the same. Kind of is. I mean, yeah, dogs are way easier. They cost a lot less. They will always love you. Um, they don't talk back. Um, but even a shelter dog has way more issues than a biological dog. Biological dog, that is stupid. A breeder dog. You know, we have three dogs, so I'm not anti-animal. Let me just say it up front. I'm actually a cat person, but we have three dogs. One of them is mine. Um, I love these dogs. They're, I mean, they make me feel better about life sometimes. I adore them, so I'm not anti-animal. But could we consider treating children who are orphans like we treat dogs who are orphans? It's harder. It's more expensive. But they need it even more. Um, it's too expensive. Yeah, it is expensive. It's too expensive. Um, Adopting domestically, and I'm not talking about a baby, that's a whole different thing. I'm talking about adopting a foster care child. Um, there's very little expense with that. Um, but if you want to adopt internationally a child, it's going to cost you big bucks. Um, is that a problem for God? No. We forget that all the time. Um, God has lots of money. Um, Ron Luce, who used to be the head of Teen Mania, used to say, God has all the money in the world. We just have to figure out whose pockets he put it in. And trust me, there are people who love orphans and can't adopt for whatever reason who will help. So don't let that fear stop you. It's too painful. I could never be a foster mom. I hear this all the time. I could never be a foster mom because how would I ever give the children back? How could I give them up? Um, that's, that's real. That's very real. Because sometimes you foster for a long time and you have to give a child to a situation that you know still isn't good. Yep, that's, that's hard emotionally. But guess what? We don't not do things because they're hard. As Christians, we do the hard things when God calls us to them. We don't shy away from that. So that's a lame excuse. Um, it's real, and it hurts, and we don't like to hurt. We don't like pain. Um, but if we're called to help, we need to deal. I couldn't love someone else's kid. You hear that a lot from guys. Um, Jonathan was never that way. But we, I've heard that a lot from guys. Give me a second. I think that's true of a, lot of, of a lot of other people, too. I couldn't love someone else's child. Let me, and this is my answer to this, and you won't all agree with me, but um, let's see. How does making a baby make it your child? Just because it, you know, you create, you, you didn't create that child. That child is not yours. 
That child is God's. So whether it came from your body or someone else's, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And we need to see children that way. Um, I love my children more than anybody else's children. But that doesn't mean I couldn't love, that I don't love other children, that I, I don't have the same heart for them. I want the same things for Christine's kids as I want for my kids. Um, I didn't birth her kids, but I love them the same. Um, Illy comes to our house every week, and we just all adore her. We love her. Um, she takes a nap with me usually, and I pray over her every time she takes a nap because I adore her. Um, and if if something were to happen and I could take Illy, I'd take Illy. I mean, I'm not going to take her, don't worry, but, you know. Um, because God gave me that heart. Okay, Jonathan's saying I need to stop. Um, I'm almost done. Um, so anyway, Lydia, let's put the next one up, the picture. It's a little girl. Sometimes you can't tell. Um, I think her name's Harlow, which is dumb. It's not her real name. They give them fake names. Um, you know, if you put up here, I'm going to go back to the dog thing. But if you see a puppy on Facebook, you're just going to melt. And it's like, yeah, let me give them money. They were, you know, abandoned and blah, blah, blah. As Christians, shouldn't we feel the same way when we see this? I mean, she's been an orphan for over, I mean, she's been, she, she has a referral, which means from her orphanage in her country, she, a referral for her adoption was sent to an agency. So this is a U.S. agency who got this referral. Okay, for two years. The first picture they got two years ago said, um, giggles when you tickle her, responds to conversation, blah, 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 blah. Two years later, all of her files say um, no personality. None. Responds to nothing. That's that's because there's no love in their life. I mean, they sit in, literally, they sit in cribs all day long in most orphanages. Um, you know, when they're old enough, they might take them and sit them at a table for dinner, and then they go back to their cribs. I mean, this has to break our hearts, people. We have to love these kids. Um, and would I adopt them all if I could? Yes, but I can't, so I need your help. Um, and, and can I get all 20-some million, 26 millions adopt, million adopted? No, but there's a phrase that I love in the orphan world, and it says, um, adopting one child won't change the world, but for that child, the world will change. One at a time, one life at a time, one child at a time. So, um, yeah, some of you are sitting here going, why did I come today? I wanted to be encouraged. I wanted to be fed, blah, 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 blah. Um, instead, I've got Connie pounding at me about this stuff. 
Um, but it's not just me, people. It's my heart, and it's my passion, but it's the Lord's heart and the Lord's passion. So we have to move in this. We can't just sit here anymore. Um, I think our definition of family has to change. Um, and I'm not talking about the world's definition, like two dads and, you know, or whatever. I'm not talking about the world's definition. I'm talking about our definition of family. What does family mean? But that's for another message from me. Um, last thing, we must make a commitment to helping orphans as a church as well. You can put the last picture up, Lydia. We must rally around the causes of the orphan. Um, Jason, there is something called a care portal. Have you ever heard of that? It's by a ministry in Kansas City, actually, that put this together, and they match orphan needs to churches. Let's start there. Finance people, let's talk. Um, there are things that we can tangibly do besides go, you know, adopt all the orphans. Um, money, 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 money. You hate hearing that. I know, we're Americans. We want to send toys. We want to send our kids as clothes. Sorry. That's not helpful, especially for international. Here, absolutely. If there's a need, meet it. Um, women's shelters and <clears throat> all those things, absolutely. Um, I meet needs of foster kids by having friends who are foster parents, and some of them put needs out, and the Lord goes, ding, ding, ding. And so that's one way I meet needs. Um, but... As a church, can we please add orphans to our budget? Um, use it however the Lord moves. But it's huge, and we need lots of money. Um, I have a friend right now. They're trying to adopt their little girl from Ecuador. They've been on it about 18 months. They need money to get her here. She has a special need. Um, the sooner she gets here, the more normal <laughs> Or, yeah, someone's going to kill me for that. Um, the more healthy she can be. And I am sorry for saying normal. That was wrong. The more healthy she can be. And her special need is not a mental special need. It's a physical special need. But anyway, um, when those opportunities come, we need to sacrificially give. And this part I don't just say because Jonathan and I do that. We support Stella's orphan orphanage. And um, thankfully, I on Facebook, we got a lot of money for them for Christmas this year, which was fabulous. But um, anyway, lastly, let's think about missions. How can we teach kids? Um, how can we target kids? and not kids targeting kids because we want to get their parents to church. Targeting kids just because we love them. And not targeting kids and having big events and not, not telling them about Jesus. Just my opinion. So, love you guys. Thank you all for letting me have this opportunity to talk to you about all of this. Please let God work in your heart. And last pro promise, last thing. Um, if you're a parent and things didn't go the way you wanted them to go, that's why we have a God that's a redemptive God. Um, there's redemption for our children um, who maybe 
didn't know us before we knew Jesus. Um, don't feel guilt about that. Um, just don't. Pray and move forward and love your kids. So, all right, that's it. Love you guys.